welcome to Unraveling Crypto, the podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie. If you're curious about Web3 but don't know where to start, you're in the right spot. I know how full your life is already, and I also know how much freedom this expansive space can offer. Each episode, we bring on Web3 experts to share what they love. Through easy conversation, we cover topics like financial literacy, blockchain, and how to use these in practical ways. It's not just about technology, but about who is building it and why it's being built. Welcome back to another episode of Unraveling Crypto. I say this every single episode that I'm really excited to share who we have on today, but today is no exception. We have a powerhouse and leader in the Web3 space, Brittany Lachlan. For those that may not know, she is the executive director at the Stacks Foundation. She has co-founded her own VC firm, Lattice Ventures. She's an entrepreneur and a professor at Cornell Law School, amongst many other roles. Um, Today, we talked about DeFi, decentralization, and different areas that really create the Web3 space. Let's, instead of just me telling you what it is, let's dive right on in. Welcome, Brittany, to Unraveling Crypto. I am so excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so I, there's many areas that I want to touch upon and kind of pick your brain and with this conversation, but I love to start with what are you most grateful for? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, what like immediately comes to mind is just like the people in my life. Um, so, you know, I have, I have a young child and, you know, I have a family and I feel really grateful, um, for them, but also just even in like the team that I work with, like just telling my team yesterday, like how grateful I am that, we get to work together. We get to solve hard problems together. Um, and it just really leaves me inspired to like show up every day and um, work on things no matter whether it's highs or lows. Um, you know, crypto markets always going to be crazy. Yeah. Uh, so being able to have great people to work with, not only in our company, but also just like the broader Stacks ecosystem. It's been really fun to um, show up every day, even when we have some challenging market news. Yeah, and it, and like I think you said something really important that no matter what the conditions are externally, like having a community is and like people you can kind of like come together and think with or just even just be around really makes a difference during hard times. So what's your superpower? This is a question I always ask, like that thing that comes to you most naturally and you probably have been doing it from a very young age. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, I think it's around community. It's like, how do we, you know, find things that, you know, common goals that people want to achieve and trying to um, get the right pieces in place so people can kind of make those bigger realities. Um, so I've seen that in like, you know, being in like high school and like being like the student council president and being like, all right, we're going to all come together and like organize and um, do some really cool stuff. Or, you know, now at the Stacks Foundation, it's like, wow, we're a small team, but we're like helping this ecosystem of thousands of people. And, um, you know, there's so much value being created. And it's like, okay, how do we make sure we're accommodating different types of people, make people understand what um, what it's all about and and find ways that they can easily get involved and feel included and, and be part of that community. Yeah, um, I love that. So I want to ask you about your background and you just, you have so much experience and a lot of things that you are working on, but I guess I love to start with 
how did you get involved in crypto? Or when was the very first time that you heard about crypto and what drew you towards this path? <laughs> yeah. So I was, um, yeah, I was like in tech, but I was working in venture capital. Mm -hmm. I was working at a firm called USV. They're known for like, you know, investments in Twitter and Kickstarter and a bunch of these like web two companies. Um, and like in those conversations, we started looking at what was called Bitcoin tech. Mm. So, you know, it was like Bitcoin, it's this really interesting thing. People were using it on the dark web. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, there were a few internet communities that were using it, but it was very like, fringe. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't mainstream. So we started talking about it. We really were looking for um, ways that people could use it. So that was sort of the thesis. And then um, we made our first investment in Coinbase uh -huh. uh, when it was a seed stage company. And that was like the first, you know, Bitcoin tech that we ever did. Um, and then actually like the second investment we made was actually Blockstack, mm. which at the time was called One Name which was around the same time. Um, and we were like, this is a non-financial application of like Bitcoin. Yeah. And we thought that was super interesting. Um, so yeah, that was like 2014. <laughs> so I'm going on the nine year mark of like, been thinking about invest, uh, you know, I've either been investing in crypto or working in crypto um, from that time. So I bought some, a little bit of Bitcoin way back then. And I wish I would have bought more because I think it was <laughs> around $200 or something yeah. at the time. Um, I set up my Coinbase account uh, in order to do that back in the day. So um, yeah, it's been amazing to just see the journey of how much has changed in that time. Yeah. And I mean, as you said, you have a background in tech from the very beginning, but um, what like drew you towards getting a career in tech? Um, especially, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about this, but especially being a woman that typically that's not something you know, most women go into it, but what drew you and why, why go into that? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's, um, yes, being in tech, that means often being one of the few women in the room, sometimes the only woman in the room, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, in, in my early career, that always sort of seemed like a challenge. But um, now hopefully it means if I'm in the room, other women feel more comfortable being in the room because yeah. there's more of us than there ever were before. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up in an entrepreneur household and it was always just like my dream to be able to build things that didn't exist, you know, create companies, um, find like that independence by being able to work on the things you want to work on and work with teams. So, uh, you know, I saw the Internet as like the great advantage to do that. So my first company um, that was a tech startup was in like 2010 and it was like when Facebook connect was a new thing mm. like you could build businesses on top of facebook's social graph so that was like this is amazing <laughs> like there's all this cool stuff so um so that theme is kind of carried throughout my career of just like being really excited like technology opens new markets creates new opportunities um and to be able to create products people like use immediately so that um has carried over with web3 too so just seeing the technology of like wow all this open data all these like um, ways to transact, like giving creators more tools, yeah. all of it just is like perfectly in line with this, like how do we make it easier for people to start something of their own? And um, I've been really excited to see that kind of evolve. And I think tech is a great place for that because there's just always new tools, always like cheaper, faster ways to like start something new, see if it works mm -hmm. and run with it. Yeah, oh, I really, I really love that. And I think that this speaks a lot to the community who listen to this podcast, especially like about entrepreneurship. And 
I guess like my question is, what's the mindset that you have to have as an entrepreneur to keep going and to really think outside of the box, especially now that we're seeing that it like it's, it's more widespread too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, I don't know, at the end of the day, it's like about value creation. And sometimes it's hard to know where that market is. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the internet's made it way easier to try and find customers or test if a customer wants something even before you build something, yeah. <laughs> you know, just talking to them, reaching out to people. Um, so I think just that mentality of like, where can you help create value for other people has been um, a driving force. It used to be you had to like set up a whole company and like mm -hmm. website and servers and hire people. It's like now you can be like one person and just kind of putting up like a survey online yeah. or like, um, you know, landing page for like 10 bucks. You can kind of do that. So I do think it means that there's more noise than ever before. But um, if you can figure out like who your customer is and what value you can provide to them, um, that will lead you down like the most interesting paths. Um, even if sometimes you may find like, customers want this, but they're not willing to pay for yeah. it, or there's not enough customers and kind of knowing when to um, shift that around or say like, okay, maybe I need to, to rethink like how to make it a business, not just like a side project. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I really like that. Because I think that's one of the, the things that most entrepreneurs kind of like bypass, they have a really big passion. And we forget to kind of like, what's the value? And is it really going to Yes. Is, are people really wanting that? Is it going to solve a problem? So um, let's get into Web3 and crypto. Um, it's so vast. There's so many rabbit holes within the space. Where if somebody's new, they've heard about crypto, NFTs, and DeFi, maybe just like buzzwords here and there, decentralization, like where, where would you tell them to start? Or like what's one area that you really think could unravel a lot of a lot of things for somebody to get into it. Yeah, it's a great question. I feel like this question was easier like a few years ago because yeah. it was like either buy a token and hold <laughs> it or, you know, um, do something else. So now there's so many ways like you can like mint an NFT, you can, you know, buy tokens, you can get loans, you can just kind of do um, way more things. Um, always the simplest is like just buy a little bit of Bitcoin, mm -hmm. let's say. $20, I don't know, $40, like something that you may spend on like a nice meal yeah. and set up the wallet, figure out how you have to do that, figure out what these private keys are, um, just an amount of money that makes you pay attention. It's like an investment in your education. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows if it's going to go up or down. <laughs> so not financial advice, but more like that education of like all of the pieces. And then um, I think in that journey of trying to figure out like how to do that, how to hold it in a wallet. Um, you'll land on like interesting communities of like people who will help teach you and have ideas for you and, and do um, cool stuff with that. So I think that's a great path. Um, if you get involved with Stacks, I think that's another great place uh, because it doesn't, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You could mm -hmm. mint an NFT. Maybe it's like a dollar to, to sort of um, buy an NFT from someone and think about like, what does that mean? How does it come into my wallet? What do I do with it? Yeah. And kind of going down that like education rabbit hole too. It's like, you know, $20 investment in your education. You can probably um, pick up a cool piece of art and learn a lot about um, crypto just by doing stuff. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great way to start. So as a professor, you're also a professor at Cornell Law School. And what's like the most like 
or the point of friction that a lot of students kind of encounter when you're teaching about blockchain and Web3 um, and DeFi? Yeah, well, I think it's like in the classroom and just universally people, a lot of people know crypto as like scam yeah. or like get rich quick lotto. You know, they think of um, the headlines of what bad things have happened in crypto as like the definition of what it is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we usually start our Cornell Law class with um, what is money? Like going back, like why is like value transfer like such an incredible innovation and why does it, um, you know, kind of make us rethink, you know, what money is. So mm -hmm. people think of paper money and they're like, this is valuable. This is like real, but Bitcoin is fake. <laughs> it's like, well, money's kind of fake too. You know, yeah. there's, you know, there's government backing, but it's not backed by anything. Um, you know, I think it's sort of rethinking like, why does money exist? You know, it, it, enables markets and it enables trade and it enables specialization. And so kind of getting down to those fundamentals of yeah. like, why do financial systems matter? And why could a global financial system be so important to everyone's lives? Um, not just in like a get rich quick, but more like how we trade, how we interact, how we um, have freedom for ourselves in different ways. So I think like, we have to always like <laughs> unprogram sort yeah. of the brain to get started at that fundamental level. Um, you know, lawyers, they're all very good at asking questions and being skeptical mm -hmm. and kind of going down um, some of the paths of learning about like, yeah, there are some scams here in, in crypto and those should be ignored. But there is also huge potential for just game changing um, technology that changes, could change like everyone's life in the same way like the internet did. Yeah. Like, no about the internet. <laughs> it's like now I don't know how people would live without it. Yeah, it's just part of part of a part of us basically. So yeah. w do, on the opposite end like what's the common thread that kind of makes everyone like oh I can I get it now or the aha moment. Yeah, I think um I don't know. So we've in our class we teach a lot about like DeFi. Mm -hmm. So it is about like financial systems and the movement of money. Um it's US centric. So most people maybe don't have a firm understanding of the banking system and like where money gets created and where it comes from. And so when we go through that sort of line of thinking, you know, like loans get determined by the bank, but they don't have that much cash sitting on their balance sheet as they're giving out loans for. So when you hear these things about inflation and all that, like central banks are actually a big piece of this problem, yeah. not just the Fed. So it's uh, some of these technical aspects that, um, make people realize like, okay, like having competitive financial systems means having alternatives to a system that is um, very US centric yeah. and isn't reaching a lot of people. And then even beyond that, most places globally do not have access to a very stable financial system. Mm -hmm. They don't have access to stock markets. They don't have access to loans. They don't have access to credit. So if you're kind of stuck uh, making a certain amount of money, there's not really a path out of that. And I think that kind of connection of one, the US banking system is more complicated than we give it credit. And then two, the fact that there's no access to financial tools, any, you know, in most places of the world, uh, makes them say like, uh huh, like, that's silly, it should be something that like is accessible to everyone. Um, and that kind of usually gets the mindset of like, why isn't there a tool and how would that tool have to exist and who would own it? And you kind of get to these like decentralization 
trustless systems, technology, all of those. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, when coming into the space, I and something that I found a lot is that we we don't have a lot of financial literacy. And especially like in the States, and I'm also from Colombia, and we totally like that, lack that as well. And I think Bitcoin, crypto, Web3 really allows you to just think beyond just like what we think it is, just making money. And I think it's exactly what you said. And it's a total game changer and a mindset shift to come and learn about these different types of things that are fundamental for being a human. So um, and to just live and like really be successful. So I am really excited because I also saw on your Twitter that you are going to be creating a course right? Or a masterclass that's yeah. somewhat related to this. And I want to know more about it if you can share. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, I've taught this, um, I've co-taught this class at Cornell Law mm -hmm. for the past three years and um, it's been well received. We always have a wait list of students um, and I would, you know, was invited back to continue teaching there. But um, sort of the gap is like, I wish more people had access mm -hmm. <laughs> to it. So the goal um, with this class is to basically take uh, most of that curriculum, kind of cut it down. You know, we kind of skip some of the deeper law uh, components, but give um, folks like a high level overview of like how DeFi works, how you can think of a framework. So as all these new projects come online, things keep changing, you have a way to like evaluate what it is they're doing, why is that important, why might there be a gap in the market that needs to be there, and then also how to just be like kind of scrutinizing about how do the token economics work, how does governance work. These systems that um, we've heard about big failures of projects, mm -hmm. typically people just skip over that part. They're like, how much money can I make? Or like, this sounds cool, let me buy it. And then there's like a huge um, challenge with the with the token economics and that um, then triggers like a downfall of the project. So just so people can do diligence and it's not just about investing. I think it's also like, maybe you're using this tool. Maybe you're getting a company in this, you know, a job in this, um, in this company yeah. or you're considering a career shift. So if you're spending your time on something that maybe is actually on shaky foundations, you want to know that. So it's just trying to open up that thinking. Um, you know, I've been an investor, I've been a builder in the space. I've gone very deep on the legal regulatory side. So just trying to get um, access for more people to have those same tools and like the same way to think about it. Ooh, I'm really excited. When does this, when is it going to happen or when does it open up? <laughs> yeah, so I think I have like a wait list okay. right now. So I'm using this great tool called Maven. Um, so they've helped me get it up because I'm like, I have this huge long course. How do we uh, make it more accessible? And then I think we're going to run the first cohort in early December Ooh. and then hopefully uh, do more than that. Try to condense it into like a two week, you know, a few hours yeah. um, each week so that it's manageable with like a job and everything else going on yeah. um, for people who want to attend. But hopefully, yeah, like a good group comes out of that as well. Of, of, you know, the peers in that group, I think, will be really uh, stellar. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'll be like keeping an eye out as well. <laughs> yeah. So um, could you share a little bit about DeFi and what it is? I think that we really haven't had anyone on the podcast sh explain much about it and um, I think it's a term that's like out, like shared a lot, but no one really knows what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like I have to ask myself because <laughs> it changes. But um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, you know, the DeFi is short for decentralized finance. Mm -hmm. People now call what we considered finance before 
TradFi, mm-hmm. traditional finance. Um, so decentralized finance usually means there's no single entity that is controlling uh, the monetary policy. Um, you know, it's all built on systems of the decentralized web. So like the transactions are getting confirmed in a decentralized way. Um, there's no single person that can change like the rates or change any of the pieces of it. So um, DeFi now covers uh, every area of finance that you can imagine. So simple things like borrowing and lending. Mm-hmm. So like, I have money, I want to um, lend it and earn a yield, or I want to take out a loan and I pay uh, someone f- for that loan. So that's like the simplest thing you can think about with finance. And then it gets more complicated. There's more like, um, you know, options and derivatives mm-hmm. and, and other pieces of financial infrastructure that get represented in blockchains that people can use. Um, so even things like trading and swapping yeah. are uh, things that you would do in like a DeFi system. So there's quite a broad uh, category there. Um, but I think like that some of the most popular projects that we've heard about kind of fall under that. Everything from stable coins like Tether, USDC, mm-hmm. um, to lending and stablecoin things like Terra and Luna, mm-hmm. which we spent a lot of time in our class looking at. And it was like, as our class was going on, like Terra Luna kind of like imploded as we were <laughs> discussing, yeah. you know, the challenges with algorithmic stablecoins and how there'd never been one uh, that existed and, and was successful. <laughs> and then lo and behold, um, that sort of fell apart in real time. Mm. Um, So yeah, so there's like a very broad thing of DeFi, but I think you can just think about it as anything where there's a financial uh, transaction that, you know, uses a blockchain to settle. Yeah. So I think one of the words that um, I think it's really hard for people to understand is decentralization. And Mm -hmm. um, I think also when we come from like web two to web three, we are also expecting a lot of, like we're still with a mindset of centralization and it's just a really difficult shift. I, I guess my question for you is like, why why is decentralization truly revolutionizing? And also like, what are, like, what's the learning curve there? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's, uh, we can easily take for granted how nice it is to have other people managing our money and our security. And, you know, I put my money in the bank and I don't worry if someone's going to hack it, mm-hmm. <laughs> like take out money. Whereas if you have a crypto wallet, you are, you're custodying your own assets. Yeah. And that's great because if you want to send them, you know, if you immediately want to send a payment somewhere, um, it doesn't matter the size. It doesn't matter the time of day. You can do that. Uh, whereas with the bank, they have restrictions. Um, you can't do it. You know, the bank's closed. You have to wait 24 hours. They may charge you a fee, uh, you know, to do that transaction. So I feel like there's kind of the small, like, trade-offs. Yeah. Um, but I think the decentralization as a whole is like, you know, who owns Bitcoin? Who is building Bitcoin? It's like, oh, well, like, thousands of people are (laughs) and they're like, but why? And like, who do I go to if I have a problem with my Bitcoin? Like, who do I go talk to? Like, well, no one there that doesn't exist. So I think that kind of, um, you're on your own, but you're in company of many, uh, mindset is, is definitely a shift from having like a clear consumer, you know, chat box. This isn't working. Come help me out. Um, I think in crypto, there's now a lot of places you can go to have more of that handholding. So if that was really intimidating, you can access um, either crypto tokens or DeFi applications or any of that stuff without having to have the risk 
of holding all of your assets yourself for figuring that out, um, which is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like that a few years ago. Uh, but I do think like the underlying thing is like no single company controls this. And the benefit of that is that it means that a global audience can use it. Yeah. But the downside is that there may be unforeseen risks um, in how it's being built or how it's being managed that could you know, crash it or just like highly fluctuate uh, prices. Yeah. And like when building communities, like also community is one of those words that is, has been iterated and like it's, it holds a lot of value in Web3. And um, how are communities like different now versus like in Web2 or in any, in anything else, especially with Web3? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, my brain immediately goes to like creator communities. Yep. So my VC firm, we were investors in Twitter and the earliest members of Twitter who created all this value of like showing up and tweeting and putting interesting com content and getting more people in and like getting a lot of excitement. Those creators maybe benefited in secondary ways of like trying to um, grow the platform or grow their brands. Mm -hmm but they don't actually have any ownership over Twitter itself. So all of this value that was getting created was just aggregating to the Twitter shareholders. Um, you know, they're like making millions and billions of dollars, uh, even though all of the people who are putting in all the work are the ones kind of um, not getting it. And, you know, Twitter's still not monetized for creators. Yeah. Like YouTube is, maybe Instagram, you can kind of do some stuff. So I think just like thinking about, well, if there's a new network, it's decentralized or it has like a token economic ownership model. Mm -hmm. You can think about like, I'm owning this and I'm helping build it. Like you buy Ethereum and you're like, I'm going to build something on Ethereum that's really valuable and other people are going to use. And hopefully that then increases the value of the whole market of Ethereum. So it is this very shared uh, financial alignment, but I think it also just is like a nice community alignment of like, hey, if I'm building in stacks and someone else is building in stacks, we probably have something in common. Mm -hmm. We can help each other. We all have kind of this bought-in notion of like, we're here because we want to create the future of the internet. And so from that commonality, we may be able to learn from each other, work together, share notes, things like that, which I think is really cool about community and having it not like as a sales pitch, but more like, join me because like we all win if 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 i win you win and we can all build things together yeah and i i think that's one of the highlights especially about stacks too it's just it's very collaborative and um it's about supporting each other there's never there's never competition really i don't feel that intense competition um in the space and that's refreshing from maybe coming from another place of working and where it's also very saturated and i think we're starting to see it grow, but it's it's very new still, the whole crypto space. Yeah, yeah, we get that feedback a lot. Like the Stacks community, everyone's just like very nice, <laughs> like helpful. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that speaks to like our like our value system around, you know, believing that we can empower people with this technology. Um, it should be accessible yeah. to more people, um, that there's so much value to be created. Like there's a really huge pie um, that exists. So I think it's easier in our community to feel that. Um, whereas, you know, like every community has their different values, mm -hmm. but some are, are all about maximizing profits or maximizing short-term gain. And that can sometimes have an impact long-term on the community, not sticking around or, or being hostile. So if you 
are joining Web3, I think <laughs> Stacks is a great place. I'm very biased. But if you do end up in a community and you feel like, oh, crypto, I don't like it. This isn't my vibe. Maybe you're just in the wrong community. Maybe um, keep exploring until you find one that fits. Yeah. And when we are talking about Stacks, what has been the value from the very beginning and what has changed? Like what has like from, I mean, the very beginning, what do you think has been the thing that, oh no, this is not working. We need to change the value or has it been the same? Yeah. Well, it's been a long road <laughs> yeah. from one name, like, uh, yeah, 2014, I think the project kind of got started. Um, and back then there was sort of actually an idea similar to like BNS names or ENS names of like, People need a, an, a unique identity on the web that isn't attached to something like an email owned by Gmail or a Facebook um, login. So this idea that you have this portable identity, you could um, pair that with like Bitcoin transactions and be able to like transact. Like you and I could sell something to each other without an intermediary because like you can kind of see who I am and I can see how you are who you are without just like the anonymity of, of wallets. So that was kind of like the first thesis. And then like with that came like, well, people are also going to need data storage. You know, you can do that transaction, but where does it get stored? Maybe I want to upload a photo mm -hmm. of, you know, selling you some earrings or something. So that kind of open marketplace um, mindset needed these tools. And so Stacks has always been about like building tools for builders, uh, developers to use them. And then I think over the past like two years, uh, once we launched our main net with smart contracts, that was always in the plan. Uh, the reason our roadmap was long is because we decided to take the regulated route and work with the SEC, yeah. make it accessible to everyone to purchase, like alleviate concerns of like, this is a scam, mm -hmm. this is, you know, unproven. Um, so by going through that path, I think it uh, created a lot of um, good, feel good things, but it definitely slowed down some of the other developments we made. So yeah, just in the past two years, it's been really about smart contracts. You know, if you want to take everything that Bitcoin represents, all the accessibility, the security, mm -hmm. um, the longevity of it, you can actually do stuff on top, um, which right now in Bitcoin, it's very hard to do anything, but just like sort of send money back and yeah. forth. So um, that's been our key focus. And we've found like a huge community that's like very excited about that and like building all sorts of new tools and like, minting Bitcoin NFTs, <laughs> BNS names, like yeah. you have a name that's on Bitcoin that only you can own, like those kind of things have been really cool to see. Yeah. And looking forward, what what are you most excited um, about? Yeah, well, I think like in general, like when you've been through a lot of bear cycles, mm -hmm. you know, like, which I have, it's like, <laughs> this is the great time to have builders um, because what comes out on the other side is like, what everyone's going to be using mm -hmm. and like when that next inflow of a lot of new consumers come in they decide to try it out for the first time that's like what gets built now or the things they're going to use um you know we saw that with like OpenSea, like nfts were like no one cared about them for years and then you just see this huge um this huge reach and i think like OpenSea is interesting because not only did people make a lot of money trading nfts on there um but it really made a simple tool for any creator to be able to like, oh, I'm going to like sell my creation online. Yeah. And it was like easy. It was simple. It was easy for anyone to sign up and buy. So like that ease of use um, didn't exist before those types of marketplaces. And so I think we're just going to see a lot more consumer focus. Like how do we get the next wave of like a million 
10 million people who use Web3 and they don't necessarily care that it's crypto, yeah. but it like presents a, an experience they've never had and they couldn't have without blockchain. Ooh, that's really exciting, actually. Um, uh, Brittany, one second. I actually just noticed my computer is going to die before it does. I'm going to get a charger. We'll edit this. Okay, we're back. Thank you. <laughs> we're good. Um, okay, so something that I, I actually wanted to ask you was, what are the areas of growth in Web3 that you still see that's still lacking and um, we need to focus on that? Yeah, well, I think it's still like, it's still early. People say like GM, good morning. <laughs> still early. Um, there's still so many tools that I feel like, you know, could exist that don't. Um, you know, I've been really excited about thinking about uh, decentralized identity. Mm -hmm. So kind of back to the original one name, we've seen this with like BNS, but yeah. how people can have a portable reputation online, they can use it in different scenarios. Um, and it goes beyond just like a wallet of like what you buy, but it's like, you know, your, your experiences, like the skill sets you could bring to a group. Because I think that is very important in like kind of two fields. Uh, one is like DAOs. And I think like decentralized autonomous organizations. Um, this is where like a collective of people decide to come together to like create a solution or buy the constitution or <laughs> do all sorts of different things. But I think that's like a true unlock of Web3. And I think if you can actually bring your reputation into those and kind of prove like, uh, you know, you're really good at a certain thing and you want to contribute and that contribution can be immediately put to work will be a lot easier than right now. It still feels a little bit like if you're like a celebrity in like the Web3 world, you have way more influence um, than maybe you need to. So it's just like, how do we make those reputations easier to port? And then I think the other piece that um, actually Gitcoin is doing a lot of work around this, which I think is interesting is uh, Sybil resistance. So that is basically like you think of, um, Facebook, if you've ever gotten spammy messages on there or like Twitter yeah. or any of those, and it's really annoying to have so much spam. And so in a decentralized place, there's not like a big company working to like, uh, you know, get rid of spammers and like put in all these protections um, to make those bots not exist. And so in a decentralized world, we really need to rely on better technology to try and verify like people are real people. So bots um, can easily be kind of like filtered out because otherwise like the next consumer experiences are going to be really riddled, I think, with like <laughs> bots and spam. Yeah. This is like the number one problem of the internet. We just exist in these spaces where a lot of it gets kind of like muted out. So how can we do that in a decentralized way? I think is super cool to think about. Yeah. And what about like, what are you, I think you kind of answered this, but is there anything specific uh, also broader wise with Web3 that you are just excited about and love currently? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, dabbling in the sort of like 
how can we use this technology for good? Yeah. Like how do we oh, yeah, yes. move society forward because this technology exists in the same way, like the internet moves society forward um, in positive and negative ways. Yeah. But I think with um, this, I've been focused on opportunities where there's a, a focus on like education. So how do people have better access to education because of Web3? Um, how do they, how do we think about funding education? Even things like college loans and very high interest rates in the US is a big problem. Um, you know, what if you could use DeFi to help offset some of those high costs or help people more easily pay back their loans um, because there's different risk structures and things like that. So I, I kind of like that category. And I think there's like a thousand ways that Web3 could have an impact on that. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been focused on that, even just like, yeah, developing more like Web3 courses. Like how do we make it really easy for people to um, feel confident that they have the information they need to participate and you know change their career or get involved in all sorts of different ways. Um, so I think that's really cool. And why this podcast is really cool because yeah. it's working to educate more people, ask the right questions. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I love education and, and right now it's just, it's everywhere. And I think having more people create content that caters to different types of people is also really important and diverse backgrounds and minorities, um, something that I feel is very so much needed, like diversity and inclusion, I think in all spaces is still a really big component. Like, what would you say as um, someone leading in the space, like how should founders really think about when they are hiring or when they are supporting um, individuals, like how can you think outside the box, um, especially because it's male dominated and typically it's like white male too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's nice about Web3 is I feel like it's like the most open, easy place. It's mm -hmm. kind of, it's a little bit like just jump in and get started, which feels very overwhelming. People are like, I want a path, like just <laughs> tell me where to go. It's like, you have to just show up. Um, but with that, there's even just such a rise of like, uh, you know, synonymous accounts. Like it's like not people's real face. It's like a picture of yeah. a cat and they're just like <laughs> interacting. Um, so in some ways you can actually like hide some of the obscure, some of the, the genders of folks and hopefully just like lower that barrier of like, no one cares where you're from or what you look like or, you know, um, what your experience is. Like if you're producing good work, like that's what people focus on. Yeah. So there is a little bit of that, but um, that doesn't mean you have to hide behind the shadows. I do think that um, I've seen just like some incredible leaders globally that are part of Web3 and they all bring their unique missions and perspectives and there's space for all of that. Um, so no matter what place you are in a world, or if you're a woman, if you're a man, if you are somewhere in between, like all of those um, things hopefully matter way less than they did even in like the internet age mm -hmm. or like the real world where you're like walking in a room and like sizing someone up based on um, how they look, which I think has been a huge problem. Yeah. So hopefully we can kind of shift that away to the point where people, um, don't really care anymore. And uh, it doesn't impact people getting involved and getting started. But I do think it's great to have more representation of, you know, voices on podcasts that are women and not just men yeah. <laughs> that are from the valley or like, you know, have a certain profile. So yeah. I do think it's chipping away at the, at the uh, more diverse voices out there. And I mean, like we talked about this, you have um, your backgrounds in tech and you've been in rooms 
full full of men how like how's what's the mindset that you've had to have to just you know set yourself apart to really be seen i think sometimes it happens that um women or you know we go into spaces where perhaps we just are not feeling as comfortable or we doubt ourselves just like any other human too but when you're kind of like the only one that doesn't look like everyone else it could bring those types of fears up or insecurities and like what ha what has been your experience and what's your advice Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, I don't think I know any woman, especially who's who hasn't felt that way. So I definitely have, still do at times. Um, but I do think what's helped is um, kind of understanding like what I bring to the table and recognizing that there's like a lot of value in that. I'm not the most technical person. I'm not the person to go write the code. <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm pretty good at like a, a number of things. Um, that as long as I can kind of like. Uh, help that be known and like deliver on those things, yeah. I find like that's uh, really helpful. Um, but I do, you know, being sort of like a leader in Web3, you know, I run an organization and being a woman, it's like my work style is very different than a lot of my peers who are male. And, you know, it may be different, not just because we're male, female, but we just have different experiences. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a lot of insecurity about that at first, like, I don't act like they do. Like, are they not gonna take me seriously or it's not this? Um, so I worked with like a great coach who was just like, you're there for a reason. And like your leadership style is there for a reason. It attracts different people. You know, you build your team in different ways. And like, those are all net positive things. Yeah. And like, you should just focus on like, that's positive. And so it's been great to, you know, build a really diverse, amazing team. And I think it's because you know, I may, you know, our team feels very different than other teams. And so if that's the right fit for you, it's a great place to be. And if it's not, then like, that's okay. You can go find a job mm -hmm. somewhere else. Um, but I think just kind of like having confidence and like being the same is not the goal, but like trying to be the best leader you can and continuing to improve um, or whatever role you have, just continuing trying to level up as yourself, I think is like what's been really helpful. Yeah. And like, what would you say are your like leadership values or qualities and like what do you like what's natural for you and what do you think of when you're building a team yeah um you know i think for me it's like people should be able to bring their like whole self to work <laughs> not just like a, a portion um which just means like if you're you're frustrated by things or you're having a bad day or like you need you need like two days off because like something really big has happened like that totally great. Like that's, that, I think, a normal part of it being part of your life. Um, you know, and I think that creates a lot of empathy for like different types of leaders in our org. And then how do we help them equally become the best leader that they can? Yeah. So, you know, having coaching resources, having like a learning and development budget, just like helping them improve and not sort of trying to standardize. There's only one way to do this. Um, and then the counterbalance to that is like, how do you create accountability and Uh, clear objectives for people so that they can like work towards those things at their speed and their style. Uh, but everyone feels aligned that everyone's getting things done and every, you know, things are moving forward, um, which is helpful because like we have a fully remote team yeah. or like global, we have certain hours, people are online, but outside of that, it's like some people work late at night, some people are up in the morning or, you know, different time zones. So I think you have to just build a lot of trust within your team um and so like that's another key thing we try and do and yeah like have fun doing it and just 
I don't know, like making sure people are aligned on the same goals. And if they aren't, then it's like, okay, then this isn't the right place. And like trying to make it really easy to like get on board. But also if it's not um, the place then trying to find a, a better home for those people too. Yeah. So, I mean, you have so much experience. You're the executive director of the Sack Foundation. You also co-founded your own VC firm. You're an entrepreneur. You're a mom. Like there's so many different roles that you're in. How do you keep balance and like mm-hmm. yeah how do, in the technology also moves so fast um like how do you keep balance for yourself and just mentally emotionally and in all types of levels yeah well you can't do it all at once yep. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> not- um but no it's even like you know following things that really keep me interested and excited it's like teaching this cornell class gave me the opportunity to kind of like unpack what I knew about crypto and where my gaps still were. Like, how could I have enough information to explain it uh, incredibly simply? And so like that exercise was great because I felt like I got to do a really big deep dive on the industry and kind of come back with insights that I wouldn't get in my normal job, uh, but then helped inform what I'm doing every day for work. So like I like to kind of take on projects on the side that continuing my learning and they're kind of time boxed. Like there's a set time. I kind of like go deep on those and then I'm able to put that work in the world. And then when I'm not working on those side projects, yeah, using that time to like, you know, read a book, like not think about crypto. So I kind of uh, think of it like almost like seasonality where sometimes it's like my gears are extra going. And other times I'm like, I'm totally out of the loop of what's happening on these five new protocols. And like, that is okay. I will, you know, I'll have time and space for that later, but I won't um, try and do it then. Um, so yeah, I think that that helps. And then I think, I mean, I have a young child and like good childcare <laughs> is like essential <laughs> to uh, having two working um, parents yeah. is I think just, you know, uh, like recognizing that that's like a huge value add, especially when COVID has made things very crazy for certain families. So I do think it's like, it's not possible without that. And I won't even pretend it's not. Yeah. I mean, I, one thing that I'm, I really take away from what you're sharing is that it's also patience, right? Like everything that you've been building isn't, isn't happening overnight. It's like, it's been compounded. And I think a lot of individuals get frustrated because you also set these mental limits and time constraints of when you need to accomplish things. And it's kind of like giving yourself patience and just commitment and consistency, I think. Yeah, um, that's, that's spot on. Because <laughs> even with crypto, it's like five years ago, I could, I guarantee you, I could not tell you that this industry would be where it is today. So it's one of those, like, keep following the things that interest you and um, keep leveling up your learning because it's like, you have no idea. Like, DeFi summer came out of nowhere and then it's like NFT summer, like totally things that we couldn't have anticipated. But if you have these core understandings, um, it made a lot easier to like kind of fit it into the mental model than like waiting for the perfect time to like get involved because it's just like it's always going to change. Yeah. So um, we're coming kind of we're going to wrap up, but I have just two more questions. What are you most proud of um, right now or today? Like out of everything that you've done, what's the thing that you're most proud of? Oh, yeah, that's such a good one. <laughs> um, it's both like, oh, well, I'm proud of a lot of stuff, but I was like, not too proud. <laughs> um, right now, I'm feeling like really proud about, um, you know, what's what we've done with the Stacks Foundation. It's, you know, it'll have been in operation like almost three years and kind of taking it just from this like wide mandate of like, 
grow the ecosystem to operationalizing it, building a great team, um, continuing to adjust to the market and the ecosystem and like its needs and being a place where um, we've built an incredible community. And I think we're known for that in, um, in our ecosystem and even other ecosystems people sort of attribute. And I think that's only possible by like, you know, creating good values, creating good community. And so I'm, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of the team and all the people who've been involved to do that. But I, I'm feeling very grateful that, yeah, we're just kind of at this interesting spot and it's going to continue to be interesting over the next year with some awesome upgrades and, and cool stuff coming. Uh, but I feel like we're in a really good place. Yeah. And what about, I guess, what we would call failures um, or lessons, like what has been maybe a lesson that you've learned from something that didn't work out or you had to pivot and, and change? Yeah, well, I feel like I've had a lot of <laughs> pivots and changes. Um, you know, I, I think it is about being flexible and being, um, yeah, just kind of real about the the opportunities and like what are um, the things that like are going to be really interesting for you to work on and continue forward. Because um, I do think like even like sort of stepping out of block stack full time where I was working to help launch the foundation. It was so unknown and it felt really risky of like, you know, not that many people have ever done this. It's really hard. You know, there aren't instructions. Um, so trying to take kind of like that leap of faith and uh, not only on the project, but also on myself of like, okay, like I know that we can systematically build this and create something of value. Um, but then continuing just to like, learn. So like I organize a group of other Web3 um, foundation leaders because I'm like, hey, we all are doing the same type of stuff. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure we can learn faster if we learn together. So that sort of idea of community learning keeps coming up in my career. But I, I do think that um, when there are hard times, that has always just like led me to the right path of like, follow what interests you, know your skill set mm. and learning. Yeah, it's like a, a nice recipe for like moving, navigating <laughs> through. Okay, so um, the last part is a lightning round. I asked just a series of questions and you answer them as quickly um, and as concise as possible. Are you ready? Okay, so what's your favorite book? Oh, damn. <laughs> Good ones. Um, I love Artist's Way. It's a great book about bringing creativity into your life. One piece of advice to share with the world. Um, if you want to start something, do it. Worst case, you can always get a job. Your go-to drink? Right now, it's like uh, sparkling water with pineapple juice. Ooh. One thing you can't stand? Hmm. Um, soft shell crabs. <laughs> what do you value most? Uh, good health and family. Two, two answers. And what do you love most about yourself? Um, just optimism, I guess, <laughs> makes life easier. <laughs> yeah, I. It's been it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, thank you for taking the time. Um, where can people connect with you or hang out or where where do you spend most of your time? Yeah, thanks. Um, so Twitter is a great place to find me. My handle is like br underscore t t a n y, um, and usually from there you can find you know various other things about stacks and. Um, this course and, and different things going on. So, yeah. But thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Of course. Um, okay. I'll share all of your links and then, um, yeah. Thank you again. Thank you for tuning in. I so appreciate you being here. 
My intention with this podcast is to empower you to walk into another world feeling confident. Through powerful conversations, we can build this bridge together. If you love this conversation, please leave a review on iTunes. And if you're feeling extra generous, share this episode with a friend who's curious too. To stay connected, find me on Twitter and IG at Vibes. See you next week when we unravel a little bit more.